Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dever. And this is Charday. And this is Real Love with the Lees. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Real Love with the Lees. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining in with us. Um, we're excited to be back. So we are back and ready for another episode. Um, I think we're gonna kind of skip skip the small talk. I mean, it's it's been an eventful week for for the black community again. Um, and so I think we, with heavy hearts, with heavy minds, I think we we kind of it would only be right to talk about the climate and and everything that's going on. And so, um. With the Breonna Taylor verdict. Right. And it's just sad because you've already kind of expected what the outcome was going to be of this. You know, as they started to prepare the state of emergency, even before the verdict was released. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been kind of pushing it. And I'm, I'm proud of us as a culture for not letting her name um, die out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we mention it on several occasions through social media, uh, through people wearing shirts, hashtags, um, NBA, NBA. Um, it, it, it makes you proud to be black, to know that there's a crown on your head and that people are going to, um, ride for you. And, and we don't know this young lady. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of tough. I can only imagine how the family feels, you know? Yeah. But even more so than that, I, I think for me, as far as the verdict, I think I my first mindset was like, you know, I would love to be disappointed or I would love to say I didn't see this coming. But like you said, from just the, the settlement of last week, and don't get me wrong, I mean, the family should definitely get a settlement and that doesn't bring their loved one back in, in no way, shape or form. You know right. what I mean? But um, the settlement coming out and then them even announcing to us how much it was, I've never seen that happen before. Um, so that was kind of, that, that was the first thing that kind of was an uneasy feeling for me. And then to go into just the verdict overall, you know what I mean? So, right. And this, this has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. You know, our parents can go back to Rodney King and seeing what happened with, with him. Um, and we have countless stories that we've witnessed since we've been on this earth. And, uh, I always tell you the Trayvon Martin story sticks with me the most because, mm-hmm. Um, he was younger than us, but at the same time, he was a child just like us. Yeah. And for him not to get that justice, I mean, it was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. So I think um, let's just jump into it. So I think the first thing to kind of talk about would be like, how did the Breonna Taylor verdict make you feel? Um, for me, um, I'm upset. I'm angry. Um, I think it's one of those things. uh I really like even today, like I didn't even want to work today, you know, it was really one of those situations where I literally stayed up last night kind of looking at videos and I started even digging into how she, who she really was as a person just Mm -hmm. to hear like her sister talk about her. It kind of humanized for us. I mean, we know as black people where how we feel or how we were treated, but it, it humanized her to the extent of showing, um, what her favorite song was, what type of person she was, what type of 
career she was trying to pursue. And it just, it kind of just broke my heart, to be honest. Um, and then I look at you, I look at my nieces, my mom, your mother, my mother-in-law. Um, it's just tough, man. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we can try to protect you as much as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we try to do our best. And just to hear the outcome of it, it was tough. Yeah, I think for me, it, it was another, uh, another not just, you know, you, you say black women, black men, but just overall, it's a hurt for the black community. Overall, it's another one of ours gone. Um, and so that's hurtful to me. It's also hurtful to the, the, the situation overall, to be in your home, to be in the safety of your home, to right. think that you're in somewhere that you should feel protected. I don't, I, I in no way, shape or form ever go to bed thinking cops going to bust into my house that's never a thought in my mind but um her situation makes me uh, a lot more alert it makes me um i think even i i'm not a hard sleeper anyway Mm -hmm. i can hear the 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 lightest thing from from the water dripping in the sink to preston up hitting and i can hear his feet hit the floor before he he comes into our room or um at, at night so to me, that it's just an uneasy feeling. Um, it's it's something added to to the back of the black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I I guess for me, I feel like you know we already have enough. Right. <laughs> we got enough. We don't need nobody adding no more to our to our to our plates. Um, we we come in the world with a strike, and it's unfortunate that you, you have to add one more thing to to your psychological thought process. Um, of what could happen. And I was just listening to the story and like, you know, the dude was really just defending his home, mm-hmm. our boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't know that, you don't, in his mind, he, I'm sure he didn't know that was a police coming Or second in. guess it. Or you like, know. you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and somebody just bust through your door. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that's how I would react too. Yeah. And then the outcome of it all, it's like, yo, like, y'all gotta, Y'all got to fix that, you know? Yeah. So, I, I think for me, it was just a, another thing added to my psychological thought process that I didn't need. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, sad to say, but I, I, even even with that in mind, like, I can only imagine what her mom is going through or right. what her sister is going through. Right. Um, you know, even though they got, I saw some people were mad that the family got a settlement. I mean, it... it it, it depends on how you look at the situation. You know, you can't ever say, and I'm, I'm a strong advocate of, don't say what you would do until you get in the situation. Right. Um, they may have already had some intel of what, what was going to happen and what mm-hmm. the outcome was going to be. Right. Um, you never know what, what their family was going through behind the scenes. Right. Of, or even I've just- heard horror stories of people who may have worked for the government or who were police officers who, right. when they get ready to leave, they're threatened. Their right. families are threatened. Um, you don't really just, you just don't know. You know what I mean? You just don't know. So I, I who am I to say what the family should have took, shouldn't have took? That's not my place. Um, but I can only imagine what her mom and her family is going through. Yeah, or even like I was I was saying, um, you don't know how many times they've, well, you you know, we heard Breonna Taylor, the name, multiple times uh, throughout this whole pandemic. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine if that was my sister or my daughter. Um you're going to be hurt every time you're here. You know, you're going to relive that pain. So, you know, it's never going to go away. Um, this is national news. So, yeah. um, them taking a the settlement, 
like you said, I can't really judge for what their mindset was, but I'm sure they wanted to get off this roller coaster as mm-hmm. quick as possible. Um, and we're all looking for, we were all looking for justice for her. Um, but like you said, they might've had intel that it wasn't going to lean towards that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, if something happened to me, my family, take that money, but we're going to still fight for justice, Yeah. but take that money because yeah. at the end of the day, um, if they didn't take that money um, and we got the same results, who's going to pick up the pieces for that family? Well, and not even that for me, for me, if it was me, vice versa, I I think I would definitely want my money, my family to take the money. Not, not so much for, for the justice piece or, or if that even serves justice, but more so of like being able to put money back into black lives matter and be able to put money into people who can't afford attorneys and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like I think the bigger picture is them taking the money to provide for their family. They might not be in a good financial situation. Everybody ain't in the same seat. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's more so of that money can help them break generational curses and it can also help them help other families. Yeah, and it also can keep her name alive for scholarships, memorial for stuff, memorials, mm-hmm. anything that um, you know that that can contribute to keeping her name alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, to each his own. Um, I don't fault them for taking it. Um, would I have liked to see justice on the other side besides the money? Yes. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, that was their decision. They were the family that had to go through this. Um, and we're just on the outside looking in, yep. feeling their pain. Yep, yep. So I guess you wanna you wanna kick off the next question or, or the next topic? Yeah, sure. So um, as a black woman, um, why do you feel like, or if you if you do feel like it, uh, why do we feel like black women aren't protected? We've heard um, a lot of these viral videos coming back up of Malcolm X speaking of the black woman is uh, not the one that's protected the most. Um, How do you view that from your point of view? So for me, um, I think you can go back as far as time as, as women not feeling protected. Like for me, just being a young woman, I can, um, I can just remember time sitting with my, I still have great grandma still living. So I can remember time sitting with her and her just saying, you know, my mom, my mom, her mom was a sharecropper. Like she picked cotton, you know what I mean? And so, um, and her saying that, you know, they had to kind of just do whatever the master told them to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it goes back to that, that as far back as you can remember of, there were times where women, women's husbands, knew that the master was sleeping with their wife or raping their wives. You right. know what I mean? And there was absolutely positively nothing they could do right. without getting killed or being killed or, you know what I mean? So I think it goes back to history, but I think it's up to us to break the cycle. And I think um, as far as just protecting women, I think it first starts with how black men treat women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can't expect Johnny in corporate America to te- to treat me right, right. If I I don't have loved ones who treat me right, right or who right. treat Same me with respect, respect or um, don't don't call me out my name. I'm I'm not a B. I'm not a hoe. I'm not a. You know what I mean. Right. So, um, and don't get me wrong. I I'm I, I love rap music. Mm-hmm. I, I I'll listen to a trap song any day of the week. Right. 
But it's a we got to be able to decipher that from reality. And we got to be able to know that, like, not all women, women are those things. You know what I mean? And we have to be very careful uh, of what we're feeding into the universe. Um, because the universe is slapping us in our face with certain things. You know what I mean? Right. And you can even see that when rappers and different things go to court. The first thing they'll say is, well, you're the one degrading women in videos. And you're the one doing this and this and this. That's the first thing that they pull up. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, from the protecting piece, I've always felt protected, but that's not everybody's story. Right. Um, my mom and my dad were able to break the generational curse in their family, like from a single parent household. They were both raised by single moms. Mm-hmm. So my mom and my dad made it their duty to to, to make it work, to be together, um, to kind of just break that curse for our family. Um, and so it, I've always felt protected because I've had a dad that I knew at any moment I could call. Like any moment, and he was on his way. Right. You know what I mean. But but for women who were may not have had that protection in their household, it's different. You right. know what I mean. And right. so I can only speak from that standpoint. But I've definitely had friends who who didn't have that father figure, and and it's affected them in in their lives. And I think that that also affects the protection piece of them feeling protected. Um, but it also just amazes me at how. Um, when our parents talk about the their village and the community, how the community would step in and things of right. that nature, um, it's amazing to me how they had those villages and those people who may have been in the community who could step in or be father figures and things of that nature. Um, but it's just sad that we we kind of don't have that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. People now don't even want you to say nothing to their child if they child wrong. Right. You know what I mean? And, and so. It, it, it's it's sad that we we've transitioned to this, but it's not too late. You know what I mean? It's just not too late, and, and we can definitely do better. But from a protection standpoint, I, I think it starts with us. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I I don't know. I don't have all the answers, um, but I do know we're we're a powerful people. We are. We're, we're the most creative people in the world in my standpoint. I'm Definitely. sure y'all agree, listeners, and I'm sure you agree, Dev, but um, I think it starts with us. Yeah, and, and when I came across this question, I uh, saw a lot of people on Facebook um, and other social media platforms kind of, a lot of black women were upset um, at a lot of men for not protecting them in a lot of situations for, like you said, the name calling or for it's just being there. And I mm-hmm. think that starts with definitely a dad in the home. Um, I can remember um, growing up, my dad always said to, to me that, uh, don't worry about me. Um, just make sure you take care of your mom. And I think that always stuck with me. Um, and even when I would go to the store with her, my first thought is like, I'm taking care of my mom. Mm-hmm. And that could be at six to 12 to 18 years old, even to today. Um, but it really stuck with me a lot more once I got married and once I became a father. Um, because at the end of the day, as a man, you do have your feelings. Um, but at the end of the day, as the protector and provider for your family, not to say you put it on the back burner, but you want to make sure that your family is secure. Yeah. Because as long as your family's secure, that's the most important part of it all. Um, so I always tried to lean into that with you and our son and making sure that you you guys were okay first um, in that standpoint. But I think it does start with the families. Um, I don't know where we went wrong with the village um, for as our protection and our 
community. Um, but that's something that we definitely got to get back. But I, I want to piggyback off of something you just said that like a light went off when you said it is like um, you mentioned it, it. Something went off for you of like being a father, being, you know, having a wife. Right. Um, but for those for those men who don't have a family, mm-hmm. um, maybe him and the child's mother not getting along, maybe mm-hmm. the situation's real messed up maybe some stuff happened maybe some water under a bridge i think we have to definitely do better in them situations that them situations take a bit more effort you know what i mean well and two i think and adding to that is i can't speak from that standpoint because i'm not um i don't have a baby mom outside of being married um but the, the only thing i can think of in our relationship is as long as you're happy Preston's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so only thing I can imagine is if you do have a baby mama or you guys don't get along in a relationship, you got to understand as long as you're taking care of her and providing for her um, and making sure she's good uh, at all standpoints, your child is going to be good. Well, and, even, and not even that for me. It's more so for me of just always remember how you talk to your child's mother. And women, don't get me wrong. Women, how you talk to your child's father. Exactly. Those things stick with your child. Exactly. Those things are things that they go to school and you would be surprised at what kids mimic. But you know what, too? And I, things I, of I'm that I'm sure nature. you can speak to this, too, is growing up, I didn't hear my mom talk bad about my dad. Mm-mm. I didn't hear my dad Mm-mm. talk about, bad about my mom. Mm-mm. And you kind of did, no matter what we did, we could be dead wrong, whatever. We could be dead right, whatever the case may be. They was on each other's side. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they might have had conversations behind the scenes and said, yo, you wasn't right about that or you yeah. should have handled it this way. Yeah. But for as the union that they stood on, they was together. Well, and if and for me, it was always, what your mama say? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what your mama say? Did she say no? <laughs> well, it's a no. You yeah, know what definitely. I mean? But I, 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 I don't ever want to get on this podcast and make it seem like, the only way is the way that we did it. Right. You know what sure. I mean? That ain't that ain't everybody's story. It's not. Our parent, my parents, my parents grew up in single mom households. You know what I mean? And so I was able to kind of see some of the things that they were able to experience, and that I've been able to experience through other family members and things of that nature. Right. But I, my my golden wish for people in those situations is to step up, be mature about the situation. Make it work mm-hmm. and make sure that your kids understand that, yeah, mom and daddy ain't together, right. but that, but that's not your story. That's right. not what's got to happen for you. Right. You don't have to be single like mommy or daddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, if daddy's deciding to date, you need to respect whoever the other person was and yeah. vice versa. The, they need to respect whoever the, the mom is dating. Um, but I think you have to be very strategic about that village that you raise around your child or that you surround your child with. Uh, because again, that goes into that protecting piece for me. Right. But it's also being mature about the situation too. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to love or like someone to make a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and when that child is brought into this world, there's a love on your end and a love on the, the mother's end or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be deep, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, you gotta protect that. Um, so if that's your child, um, and you're not with the mother or with the father, you got to find some type of way to coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys can still do get-togethers or maybe 
one get one one weekend or the other, but there has to be some type of communication to let them know, hey, mom and dad is on the same page regardless if they're married yeah. or not. Yeah. So, and and we're not professionals in that not in at that all. at all, no way, shape, or form. But um, just from seeing, and, and my mom has been in education for twenty something years, just seeing the effects that that has had on kids. Yeah. Um, that's major. It's right. huge. It's huge in in their growth. It's grew huge in their development. It's huge in their mind process and how they think. Um, so we have to be very careful. That goes back to that village and in that protecting piece. Right. Um, I think we kind of went over of what can black men do to support black women, women. Um, but I mean, could you dig into what happened to the black families in your standpoint? I don't really know what happened, to be honest. I, I could only speak from, from my experience. Um, like I mentioned, my parents both grew up in single parent, single mom households. Um, and I think that stemmed from on my mom's side. She, she grew, her mom grew up in a single parent household. Um, and so I think that that was, there was a cycle there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, don't get me wrong. Strong, educated women. Um, definitely women I've looked up to and, and I seek advice from, um, but I, I, I think that there's also a stigma in, in the community that strong black women don't need men. Right. Um, there's also, you can also to look at it from a standpoint of what the government does of, um, you can't get government assistance and, and things of that nature. If there's a man in the household right. and, um, I've, I've known people who have definitely used that to their advantage. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of things that play against us. I think, I think, um, being incarcerated plays against the whole situation of, of the black men being in the household. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of things that um, play against us. Um, however, I don't. I I can only speak from a sense of going forward and looking at where we are. How can we get better? And, and I think that, like you said, I think it starts with with the black family. Um, and, and again, going back to what we just said, you know, black family don't always mean two parent household. Right. To me, black family means, yes, structure. mom and daddy are not together, but we have a structure and we have an understanding that the kids come first. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think those, all those things have to, have to be rebuilt or have to be reminders because there are some people out here who are breaking cycles in their family, who are. Um, establishing families. There are single moms out here who are doing the best that they can each and every day to provide for their kids. Whether the man is in the house or not, there are some single fathers out there right. who are taking care of the kids, whether the, the, the woman is in the in the uh, household or not. But I think that we have to create structure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and we have to create understanding. And I think that that's the forefront. But I, I don't I don't want to give it the stigma of like we're the only ones who no, don't have family not. structure. We're the we're the ones who's put who are put in the limelight as like we don't have family structure or we're the number one who don't have who ha or who have single mom households, single parent households. But don't get me wrong, Caucasians have it, Asians have it, Mexicans have it, Hispanics have it. Like we're we're the ones who are put in the forefront, but we ain't the only ones yeah, out definitely. here. You know what I mean? So I, when I say us, I'm not, I'm not in no way, shape, or form putting us on a, on a, uh, in the spotlight of 
being wrong. You know what I mean? I think a lot of us are, are out here trying to continue the legacy or break the curse mm-hmm. of, of, of black families. Right. What do you think about that? Um, for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, as little girls growing up, they're taught to play with Barbie dolls and, and Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, for as guys, we're taught to play sports, action figures. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be the superhero or the savior of mm-hmm. the, the day in, in that light. Um, but we're not really taught as young boys really to build a foundation of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for as my household, I was taught to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. I was taught to be respectful of women. Um, but still there, even when you get your first girlfriend, you know, you date them for a while and then... They're going to say... And old head going to come around. Yeah, old head going to come around and be like, that's your only girlfriend? Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's other girls mm-hmm. out here. It's more fish in the sea, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's important to um, explore other um, women and and see what's the best fit for you. Um, but there comes with some type of responsibility with that as well. Well, and when you say explore other women, what do you mean? So do, are you saying, in, and I know what you mean, but I'm just saying for the listeners. When you're saying um, there, there are more fish in the sea or men should explore women, what, what are you meaning by that? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think as you grow older um, from high school to college and even to adulthood, you change as a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for what you look for may not always match what your end goal is. And Mm -hmm. you don't know what's best for you. Right. You know, for me, I might have dated women that I was okay with going to hang out. um, All kind of night. All kind of night. Go to the club. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking or focus on like, yo, we need to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. You know, together. Yeah. As that, you know, I was going to church on Sunday, but it wasn't, a huge priority for me and my girl to be in church on Sunday. Um, So you learn to grow with who you, you know, what options are out there and women do, they're going to grow as well. And, and it's said that women mature faster than men. Um, But there is still that, that time where you got to figure out what's best for you. And there starts a point when you're young, you're looking on focusing on the looks first. Mm -hmm. That's what attracts you for is how they look, their face, their body. Um, and then their personality is what kind of keeps you yeah. in the game. Yeah. And then as you get older in adulthood, all that does play a factor. But then you want to know, okay, how's your credit? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your debt? What's, what's your debt? Yes. Or how? what kind of job are you in? What do you, what's, what's your sh- ambitions? What's, what's your, your ambitions? What's yeah. your end goals? How is your family structure? So it gets a little bit more serious as mm-hmm. you start to go heading into uh, adulthood. Um, so through all of that, you know, you got to figure out what's best fit for you mm-hmm. um, as a man. But of course, you're going to explore. I explored. I, you know, you're going to have those times. Well, where you and I think me and you have talked about. Uh, we've talked about just to veer off the conversation for a minute and come back. Um, I think even with Preston as a woman, my goal for Preston, uh, our son, he ain't number three. But right. when he gets to the point that he is dating, my goal for him is to have dated women. And while dating, learn the things that he loves, loves learn the things that he don't like or mm-hmm. don't love, learn the things that he's looking for and he's seeking for in a woman. But in overall, be honest. Definitely. That's my that's my main thing, and I, I think that's 
probably what you meant by like exploring women of like date, right. court, for sure. get to know women. But my biggest thing is, and I think the, the golden underline for me as a mom of what I want to teach my son is to be honest, be transparent. If you're not interested in that woman, leave her alone <laughs> and go on and do whatever else you're going to do. But to continue to juggle women is unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, men do it. If that's your way of figuring out what you like, what you don't like, and women, cool. And women in the same Women role, do, it do it too. But I think it's I think that goes back to when we talk about um building families, at some point after you done got out that stage, right. there has to be some something to say, hey, you know what? Eh, I dated that type of woman, that ain't really what I want. I ain't gonna play with her emotions, or I'm not gonna play with his emotions. Right. Um, or I'm not going to use him for money, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and then use those things to figure out who you really want to build with and grow with and things like that. Um, and, and we talk about marriage a lot on this show so far, but um, I think that's a golden rule too in marriage and, and relationships and building families is you have to understand that people change right. and people are entitled to change. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you're going to change. Um, and that, that, those changes can be good. Some of those changes can be well. bad. Yeah. Right. And you change in marriage and marriages change because your kids get older. Right. Um, because you have different aspirations than what you did when you first got in a relationship, but finding somebody that's going to understand those things and, and that you can grow with is important. Right. So I just and just, to throw and that just even there. if you look back, like we started boyfriend, girlfriend in college mm-hmm. and then we had to go through that transition of not having the money to do different date nights, being creative, yeah. asking our parents for a little assistance to go out and go on a trip, mm-hmm. um, to then going off into the real world where we're trying to manage our finances and see what can we do, how far we want to go. And remembering to save. Remembering hey, we got to gotta save. save. Right. Yeah. And then you go past all that, and then you go into parenthood. Mm-hmm. And then it's just several different stages. It's so many seasons and stages that yeah. you have to like be prepared for. Um, and don't get me wrong, when people say marital woes, that's a thing of, yeah. like, the seasons will change, things will hit you out of nowhere, um, but having somebody that you know is going to be there, that's important. And that that's an important part to have in, in the family structure piece. Right. And and for me, too, is, like, man, like, be, be um, respectful, be a gentleman out there. Um, I plan to have our son take you out on a date as he get older mm-hmm. and to show, teach him. Yeah. To teach him and show him exactly how you're supposed to conduct yourself in public and, uh, treat a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but also even with all of that too, is like, we always hear that women is the prize. You got as a man, you got to look at yourself as that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you can't let anybody devalue your responsibilities or morals of, of what you think is right in a relationship. Um, you got to stay true to who you are, yeah. but you have to give a little bit. Yeah, um, and I think that's about. an important piece to, 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 to point out is like, um, even in even in the situations that we talked about, of like single parent or mom and dad didn't work out, um, you're, you, there's still somebody out there who's going to love you just as hard. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and you deserve that love. You deserve to be loved just as much as you did before you might have had the child or before you got with that person. Um, your value doesn't decrease. You're not not invaluable. And I think that's a good piece to bring up during this whole conversation of like protection of black women and the Breonna Taylor um, 
verdict is like women never lost their value. Mm-hmm. We've we've always been what we've been and who we've been, and we're gonna continue to be that. Right. You know what I mean? It's just sad that we have to um, show our value to the world and try to get people to see that we are valuable. But for me, I can remember being young and looking up at women of like, oh man, like she. That's who I want to be. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and so I don't think we've ever lost the value. You know what I mean? Not I don't think black men have lost their value. I think that we are in a time where we're showing people that we are valuable. And I think right. that's what this whole protesting and this whole, this fighting and this coming together and the protests all over the world and things of that nature um, that's why these things are happening because we have to show people and we feel that we have to go to extreme measures of looting and burning buildings down and things of that nature because we just want to be heard. You right. know what I mean? And so I think that's a good segue to kind of just not don't ever think that if you ever feel like you ain't valuable, forget it because right. you are um, you have always been. Your grandmother, great-grandmother, and everyone before you have fought for you to be valuable. So there's no reason for you to feel that way. Yeah, God saw fit for you to be here. Yeah. Um, he, he knows your value. And don't, like like uh, you said, like don't let the social media and don't let um, the news outlets make you feel like you're any less valuable. Um, this wouldn't be a big deal Mm-mm. if she wasn't valuable, if you weren't valuable. I'm just proud to see the protests that go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear about what Martin Luther King and Congressman John Lewis had to go through back in the day. And just to see us join together. And one thing I had to learn, too, is your protest doesn't always have to be in the streets. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their place and their position. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're speaking up, as long as you're playing your part and making sure that that voice is heard Mm -hmm. you're doing justice for our community um and it just takes for us to to come together like i've been seeing and seeing everybody join together uh looking for one common cause but i mean in a day like i'm frustrated just as much as the next person um and even frustrates me too even with um walking out your door going into the world for us going to the grocery store or even just at work and you expect people to feel how you feel Mm -hmm. um and it's a tough thing because it can bring anger to you um it can bring a little bit of sadness to you um and through it all we want to make sure that we're protecting ourselves but we want to make sure that we're still spreading love in this world Mm because that's who we are black people are love yep yep hundred percent. So I think that can kind of segue into um, the next thing that we kind of want to talk about was like, how do we change that narrative? I think, I think it starts with everything that we said. I think it starts with us first. Um, and I'll talk to you about this and I kind of just want to put this out in the atmosphere mm-hmm. of, um, I would love for us to have a goal, like a common goal. Yeah. Like I would love, like if, if you go, even if, if you look at the NBA and even what they were trying to do, right. and they said, hey, you know, we're not going to play this game, mm-hmm. there wasn't a plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was the thing that's kind of stuck with me this whole time is like, yeah, we're protesting. Yeah, we're, we're doing everything that we can. Like you said, there are some people who may not be protesting, but 
we fight in a silent fight. Like I look at myself and no, I'm not, not actually in the streets protesting mm-hmm. because one, we in a pandemic right. and I'm worried about bringing something back to, to, to my home. Right. But, but secondly, because I work in corporate America and I have to be at work. Like right. I have to work to be able to bring income in for my family as well as you as well. You know for what sure. I mean? But for me, my fight is when we're in a diversity and inclusion Making your voice heard. Conversation in the corporate America, I can't sit by and not say something. Can't say nothing. I can't sit by when they're talking about, well, well, how can we do better about recruiting? I have to say, well, we need to talk about HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And then my coworker looks at me and says, what is an HBCU? That's an opening for me. That's a door. That's me being able to feed her knowledge of like, yeah, this is what an HBCU is. I went to an HBCU. Even maybe being able to name off some other people that she knows that goes to an HBCU and being able to tell her, hey, you know, I have a little boy that's a three-year-old mm-hmm. and he's going to have to fight this same battle that I'm fighting. He come in the world having to fight this battle. Right. And so I have to prepare him daily to wake up and put his boxing gloves on. Right. Because this is something that he's going to have to do. His daddy did it. His granddaddy did it. You know, people who love him and who are surrounded by him um, have had to fight the fight. So don't get me wrong. People in corporate America are fighting just as much as the protesters. Definitely. You know what I mean? People in um, people in healthcare are doing the same fight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? People all around this world, everyone is fighting in a different way. NBA players in the bubble trying to figure and out what to ages do. Too. And it's all ages trying to figure out what to do. But my point is, I would love, I mean, love, love, love for somebody to say, here's the plan. Mm-hmm. I think we all have, we all think that the protesting is one way, and I'm, I'm down with that, 100% support it. But I would love, and I think it was shown through the NBA bubble of like, yeah, we're going to sit out this game, or we ain't playing today. And the next question that followed up was, okay, so what's the plan? Right. And nobody had a plan. It was a, well, in the moment, we feel like this is what we shouldn't do, so this is not what we're going to do. But I haven't, I haven't in, in, in any shape or form, saw even even like a Tamika Mallory or, or like people who are leading the Black Lives Matter or um, even the lawyers and different defense attorneys and things of that nature. I haven't heard anyone say, hey, we're just starting with these protests, but it's going to be bigger than that. Right. And I think the protest is like the first step in, in what we've been doing. But I'm not sure how to change the narrative. Like I said in the beginning, I don't have all the answers. But what I do know is we can't keep doing what we're doing because we're going to get the same results. Right. But also, just to add to that, um, I don't believe that there is not plans that have been proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do look at to bring more funding to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. We are pushing people to vote. Um, we're trying to get uh, felony convictions overturned mm-hmm. so we can vote. Um, there's a lot of proposed solutions, but I think what you're hinting at is a structure of everybody on the same page Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of suggestions Mm -hmm. personally, um, but coming together as a community, we got to really put that, uh, that game plan together to say, Hey, this is step-by-step what we're doing to accomplish. And we got to hold, we got to hold the, um, the presidential electors election um, to let them know, hey, the candidates like, yo, this is what this is what we're looking for. Yeah. And if you don't abide by that, you don't get our vote. Yeah. And it's kind of tough. To and we s- have to hold them responsible. You got to hold them responsible. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's kind of tough because um, we do have a little bit of wiggle room to say you don't get our vote if you don't 
do meet this expectation. Mm -hmm. But we only have really one option mm -hmm. because Trump has already shown us this is the way he that we can't nothing continue. About us. Yep. So as much as we have to push the envelope for Biden and Kamala to um, meet those expectations, mm -hmm. we have to also understand that when it comes to a unified vote on how this change is going to even start, mm -hmm. it's going to start with them. Yep. There's no option to go to Trump. Yep. I don't care what he's told you or what he's going to say he's going to propose. And I'm going to keep saying this. I tell everyone that I but talk can't to go with that is if you don't vote, it's a vote for Trump. It definitely. Period. But and I, don't, I mean, there's only there's no way to sugarcoat that for me. If right. you don't go out and vote at all, and I remember. It's a vote for I remember him. last uh, the election when he won. Um, I was one of those individuals that was like, "It ain't gonna matter. He it ain't, ain't gonna, gonna matter win. if he win or not." And the thing that I'm proud of, and my mom had to remind me the other day, is we did actually make up our mind to go out and vote. Yeah, it was a last minute. It, it was, was a last a, minute. Okay, come but on, I did have go. that mindset of like. Whatever we put into this election, they're going to choose whoever they want anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy that my vote was um, casted yeah. during that time. Mm -hmm. But there were several other people that was feeling the same way I did that didn't vote. Yeah. And that was the outcome. But I think we have to, it's, a, it's our duty too for those people who feel that way to say, all right, so talk to me. Because, mm -hmm. like, I ain't understanding. Right. Like, if you got family members who's like, I ain't no point of us voting. Y'all need to, we need to be having conversations. Like, Definitely. we have to hold people accountable um, of their decisions. And, I mean, no, we can't go make people do anything. No, we can't, can't make people vote. But we can see them see alternative options of, like, yeah, but if you don't vote at all, that's a vote for Donnie. Right. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and you got to do your part. And I'm proud of your cousin Amaya um, mm -hmm. in Phoenix City. Or even doing getting people registered to vote yep. to put something together. Yeah, my um, brother Paragon and and I think the bros was on campus the other day. They even did their part exactly, yeah. and and we're gonna do our part to influence, and we're doing our part on this podcast to let you know get out there register to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to do your part to make sure that you make a difference because once the decision is made. You, you can't, can't go, go back. back and mm -hmm. say, I feel this type of way or this is mm -hmm. the way we should did it if you didn't do your part. Yep. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And also too, you just have to remember too that like, um, I heard someone saying a good point today of like what what Donald Trump is doing, a lot of people say, Hey, this is only gonna affect you the next four years. No, it might affect you the next forty years. Definitely. Because what he's doing right now is he is electing judges and mm -hmm. he is electing senators and he is electing these people and putting his people in place right now. And the people that he's putting in place are going to affect the, the your livelihood. They're going to affect the laws that are going to be implemented and things of that nature. So don't in, in no shape, way, shape or form think that. Just because, just if he gets another four years, we only got to deal with him four years. No, that the things that he's doing are going to be what it is yeah. until that law comes back around and we can revote. Yeah, and just like uh, Daniel Cameron, who made that. Um, he was a judge for the for Breonna Louisville. Taylor. Yeah, mm -hmm. for Louisville. He made a decision. I mean, he's endorsed by Trump yep. to possibly be one of the next U.S. Supreme Court um, in that market. So. It's kind of like he's putting people in place, and mm -hmm. if you're not careful, you're looking at Trump as the big, the big puzzle piece of it all. Mm -hmm. And it's so many pieces behind it's so the scenes. Many, yeah. It's so much. It's bigger than him. It's just bigger him. than just him. Yeah. And yeah. that's where people are getting blinded by. I knew when the election came across, um, 
when he first got um, elected as president, I looked at Pence as like, oh, he ain't about to play no games. And he mm-hmm. about to be not on our side at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to understand who are these people that Trump is putting in place, how it's going to affect us. Like you said, it's not just the next four years. It's going to possibly be the next 40 years as well. Mm-hmm. And, and these are things that are going to affect our kids. Like, at the, end, at the end of the day, we might not live to see 40 more years, 50 mm-hmm. more years. I would hope so. Right. Um, however, you we, we have to do what we can. Like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast and all through it of what can we do to, to change the narratives and what can we do to help support black families and to support women and to protect people is vote like yeah. we have to vote and those all those things and, and people's livelihoods are going to be affected by people who aren't voting don't vote things of that nature so again please go vote vote yeah. vote vote and I'm, i miss the president obama era <laughs> because you had people that was against them mm-hmm. um but we had a lot more unified um country at that time and even you look at now there's a lot of countries that look at us as a joke, mm-hmm. as the U.S. Mm-hmm. They didn't look that way when Obama was in the office. Well, and two, I, we might not have been a more unified, unified um, country at that mm-hmm. point because I think there were a lot of. I think the, I think the country has always been what the country's been. I think the people who you see that are Trump supporters, um, to me. And this is just my opinion. It mm-hmm. might not be everyone's opinion. Right. To me, that that they're the 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 um, uncovered Ku Klux Klan to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you go back and the Ku Klux Klan were people who wore the cloaks and things of that nature, and you didn't see them during the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They came out at night. But baby, these Trump supporters, mm-hmm. they out here, yeah. and they making their voices known. Mm-hmm. They're making everything very, very aware. You're very aware that. Uh, of what's going on in these times. And it's me and my mom were talking the other day and she was saying, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, you had to worry about those things, but you just didn't see it. Right. They, they played the game to make you feel as though they weren't racist or, um, that they were for you Mm -hmm. and could stab you in the back, but they are showing their hand more so than ever. Um, and I can't wait to see, cause I'm just going to claim it. When Biden gets in office, right. um, how this how this trajectory of everything is going to change, and if it's going to be a well, I really didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I, I I think we have to. It's our duty to get out and vote. We can't say it enough. Yeah, definitely got to get out there and vote. Get registered and make sure you're out there and vote. If you got to take the day off, go vote. Make sure you make that time to make sure uh, you definitely make your voice heard. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so um, I think the next thing we can kind of talk about, are there any stories where you feel like you experienced racism? Yeah, for me, um, there's been a lot of stories I could think back on, um, but the more so the early times we've discussed before is, I remember one particular time that um, I was probably like maybe 10, 12 years old, mm-hmm. wasn't that old. Um, and we went to Blockbuster, so that definitely tells you my age. Mm. <laughs> but we went to Blockbuster, me and my brother, and went to go pick out a um, movie to watch that night. And I remember a Medea movie that came out. It was in the Blockbusters. Mm-hmm. So I went and picked up the Medea movie and was like, hey, um, I was asking my brother, like, you think we should get this for my mom to watch, too? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, nah, go ahead and put that back. We already got a movie. I was like, okay, cool. So as I'm walking out the door... Um, 
the guy that was working there pretty much blocked us off and was like, go pick that movie out again. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I already know exactly where the movie is at. Yeah. I'm thinking, maybe he just want to know where the movie is at. Or what movie I was going to pick up. Yeah, what movie I was going to pick up. So I pick it up and I grab it out of the um, pile and I show it to him. And he's like, all right, cool, you good. So I walk out. And I don't remember what the conversation was with my brother or if he even understood at that moment. Um, but I do remember when I got home, I told my mom, I was like, yo, that was kind of weird. Like, right. what was he doing? Yeah, I don't know why he made me pick out that movie. And um, she didn't say a word, and but she was hot. Yeah. She was hot about it. And she immediately called Blockbusters and... My mom is one of the people she definitely gonna Maybe call. Maybe she will call customer service. <laughs> she definitely gonna call customer service, <laughs> the corporate office, all that. And I don't remember what the communication was, but she was going in on them. And as I look back on it now, I'm like, yo, they really thought I took that movie. Mm-hmm. They thought I stole it. You didn't it. understand it then, but you understand it now. Yeah, and I think that was kind of my first experience for mm-hmm. myself that I experienced it. Um and then even I could date back to when we were in college and we had just started mm-hmm, dating. Mm-hmm. And um, I hopped in your bug. I had a bug, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I had a, a a Volkswagen bug. It was blue. Right. And uh, your little brother, I think he might have been in middle school at the mm-hmm. time because we were just dating at that time. Yeah. And um, we drove from your house into the city and we were just going to get some ice cream. So he was like, I'll drive. So I was like, I forgot my wallet. I'll just leave it at home. I ain't really worried about it. We ain't going it. far. Yeah. Like, I'm not expecting to drive since you're going to go ahead and ride out. So, we heading into the city. And all of a sudden, police lights come behind us. I'm like, I know you wasn't speeding, but did you have a tail light or anything? Uh-uh. He was like, nah, nothing I know of. So, anyway, we get up there and we pull into one of the restaurants. And as we're sitting there, another cop car comes. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, all right, this just don't even seem right. Yep. And not to mention, this is probably at 9, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, at least, yeah. It was pretty late. Um, so anyway, they come to the car, and I don't remember what exactly they said to you. But as I'm looking on your side of the window, I'm like trying to talk to the police to make sure we're good. Mm-hmm. There's a knock at my window, like, roll your window down. So I'm like, okay. So I roll my window down. So then he says, I need your driver's license. Like, I don't have my driver's license. I left it at home. I left it at home. Mm-hmm. So he was, like, making a big fuss about it. Yeah. And uh, I remember it resulted to him saying, get out the car. Yep. And yep. at that moment, I'm like, I'm not getting out the car. Yeah. One, because I don't I don't feel like I was wrong. Mm-hmm. But two, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I could see kind of you guys worried. And he was like, just get out the car. I was like, damn, just get just out. Just get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this might have been before Mike Brown, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wasn't, it wasn't like cops were just killing people on social media. Well, and they probably were, but it just wasn't to a on point social where media, we, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so continuing on with the story, um, I get out the car and I go to the back of the car um, or behind, outside. Uh, with the cop and he's talking to me and I don't know what he's saying to you and your brother um, but for me back there I'm like I don't have no ID like why are y'all pulling us over like I'm trying to defend myself trying to figure out what exactly is going on mm-hmm. and he's just telling me like you could have kidnapped her 
Yeah. We don't know who you are. They were just asking me questions like, are you okay? Um, do you know who he is? Could you tell me who he is? Right. Um, how do you know him? Like, just just doing the the, the fishing of, like, what what could the, they get out of me? And I'm like, it's this is what it is. Right. We, just, we just told you what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And uh, it got to the point where I was getting a little heated. And at that time, like I said, I wasn't. I can say I'm a little privileged growing mm-hmm. up in that sense of not knowing how the cops can react in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I was just going back and forth with the cop, like, yo, like y'all tripping, like I don't see why you even pulled us over. I don't have no ID. I go to the school right down the street. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't doing nothing bad. Yeah. And I just remember you was just like, like I'm Devin, like, be Devin, quiet. Chill. chill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you in the South. <laughs> like, chill out. Chill out. Like, chill out. And I was just heated. And I think in my mindset, one, I didn't feel I did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And you weren't. Right. I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. So I was defending that right for for me personally. Mm-hmm. But two is like, I'm with my girl. Like, you ain't about to just try to Embarrass size me, me up yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and as I'm older, we talked about this because I've gotten better with dealing with the cops and mm-hmm. understanding that, yo, it's not going to be fair all the time. But I got to do exactly well, what I got to do Well, and I think the thing home. that I used to always tell you, too, is exactly what you just said of, like, I need you to live to fight another day. Right. Like, whatever that looks like to you, whatever that means to you, I need you to do whatever you need to do. If that means say nothing, say nothing. Mm-hmm. Even if you feel like you're being belittled in the situation at that time, I know there are a lot of things that you could say or that you want to say. Right. But these are different times that we live. Like that was the that was on the brink of like the Mike Brown and on the right. brink of like the Trayvon right Martin. That, yeah, the Mike Brown thing happened right after that. I think Trayvon Martin might had just happened. Right. You know what I mean? And so my biggest thing is like I need him to chill. Right. Like, chill out. I need you to get home because all that went through my mind is if something happened, how could I explain it to his mom? Right. And this is somebody I just but, started dating. But the thing you know that also mean? clicked with me too is it. I wasn't as worried about myself in that whole situation of defending who I was. Mm-hmm. Not to say I was like ready to die, um, but I didn't have any ounce of like backing off on defending who I was and mm-hmm. myself. Um, but the thing that did click with me when you were like, Debra, just come on, just chill, was like, it was protecting you. Mm-hmm. But like I said, your brother was in middle school at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking if anything do pop off or whatever happens, I don't want to go back and tell your parents it was because I was defending myself, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't wrong. And thankfully, I think you had called your your parents and they had came right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember we had just started dating and your mom was like, we had got back to the house, and your mom was like, "You ain't going nowhere. Like, <laughs> like go upstairs." Mom was like, "Okay, so you can room. go to this room. You can sleep in right. here." Like, she put the and guest room the out and everything, ever, and she was like, "That was the first time I ever stayed not, the night." You're not leaving. Yeah, that was the first time I ever stayed the night, and um, I think it was amazing and showed their character of just showing that protection for me mm-hmm. because, like I said, we were just dating, so yeah. it wasn't like. We engage, married. Yeah. Uh, so for them to be like, yo, like we gonna make sure you good, stay here. Well, and I think the thing too is my mom, support. my mom and dad knew you were upset, mm-hmm. and my dad was like, you know, justifiable. Like he's supposed to be upset. Like, 
Um, and so I think my mom, I, and I, I picked up these things. It's sad to say, but every black woman knows how that feeling that you get in your gut. Every black man knows that feeling that you get in your gut when you see police lights and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and so my whole mindset was like, my mom has always been one to be like, you need to cooperate. Mm-hmm. You need to do what you got to do to get out the situation. Mm-hmm. If you need to, my mom has always been like, if you need to record or you need to call me, as soon as you get over, call me. Right. That was my mom and dad right. growing up. And I think it was because of the series of things they had heard about and the series of things that they had known. My dad, um, I call him the mayor of Huntsville because I feel like he knows <laughs> everybody, but he knew a lot of men in the police department and right. kind of just knew things, you know what I mean? Right. And had heard things and just was like, when you get pulled over, the first thing you do is you call me. Right. I need to be able to hear in the background what the conversations are and what's happening. Right. And I'm a, I need you to tell me, as soon as you answer the phone, tell me where you at. Hey, mom, dad, I'm on the corner of university at the blah, 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 blah. Right. right. And that, and then all I need you to do is get through it. Right. And so till this day, um, my dad is still like that. He's like that about my brother. He's like that about my mom. Like you call me and if anything ever happened, at least. On that voice, on that call, I can say I, I can be your witness and say I heard everything that happened. Right, you know and, what I mean. And even being grown now, like when we're traveling down the road, if we do get pulled over, I'm gonna call. Most of the time, I'm gonna call your dad, or, yeah. or I'm gonna call my parents. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna have somebody on the phone if I'm pulled over. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm pulled over by myself, just in the city or something comes across, I'm gonna call you first, yep. Yep. and then I'm gonna call that same rotation and making sure. Somebody is on the line, mm-hmm. um, and I'll say, "Hey, I'll put you on speaker so that he can hear when uh, they pull me over that somebody is a witness and somebody is here." Yeah, and I've just learned to be. You've said it to me too, like when I've gotten pulled over before. It's like, "Yo, you've changed because mm-hmm. like now I'm like, I'm just gonna be as respectful as possible." Yep. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to make sure I make it home. Yeah. Um, and now that we're traveling up and down the road, I have my son in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't need anything to prevent that. And the sad part about it is when you said your son uh, in the back, it made me think of Philandro Castillo. Yeah, that one hurts my soul. Of like, you know, they had, they had a point now. They don't care kids in the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. Even when you look at Jacob Blake. If, if you look at Jacob Blake, you know what I mean? And so. Yeah. It's in a situation now where you have to do whatever you have to do to get out of that situation and make mm-hmm. it home. You have to live to see another day. So, um, for me, as far as uh, stories of where I've received racism, I definitely was going to say that story. Mm-hmm. But the only other story that I can um, I can think of plenty. Right. But the one that always sticks with me when people say, "Hey, what's the story where you experienced racism?" is I was a uh, um, I was working at Victoria's Secret. Okay, I was in college. Um, and I was working in like the, you can almost say like the assistant manager program where like you have to do a couple of weeks and you have to go through the program and they put you in, um, like a role. And so I was doing that, um, one of the leads at the store at the time. And, um, there was a lady that used to always come in and she would never really want me to help her. Mm. And she was a consistent shopper. She was a consistent shopper. She would come in there a lot. But on this particular day, she came in and she would ask for the same lady. And I don't want to say this lady's mm-hmm. name. Uh, but let's just say her name is Mary. 
And so she would come in and she would ask for Mary all the time. She's like, hey, is Mary here? And I'll be like, yeah, Mary's here. Or let me go get her for you, whatever, whatever, right. whatever. And you thinking you're just helping her. I'm just helping her. I, I, I'm person. not thinking, yeah, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm thinking, well, she, that's who she comes to every time she comes in the store. So right. I didn't think anything of it. Uh, but on this particular day, Mary wasn't there. She was going to get Sade today. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I had to, you know, let her know politely, hey, you know, Mary's not here, but I- I'll be happy to help you with something. Um, no, you can't help me. I said, um, so that didn't sit well with me. I'm like, well, do you, are you looking for something in particular or um, are you looking at the new collection? Like what's right. going on? Like, I'm trying to dig in to figure out how can I help her. Right. And she told me no. So it dawned on me, she don't want my help. Mm-hmm. So I had another one. I was clo- I was the one closing the store that night um, and helping close the store that night. And so I had another girl that was a cashier. Uh, I had her go help her. Mm-hmm. And um, then I overheard her say, yeah, those colors. Wow. And this was like, I mean, like college. So like 2000. 11, 12. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first time that I ever, I had experienced things like you get in the elevator and they move to the other side right, or sure. I'd experienced all those. things. I mean, I, I was born and raised in Alabama. I right. had experienced those things, but I never had experienced somebody say, yeah, That's those colored out. people, they just think yeah. that, they, you know what I mean? I had never, and I mean, in full blown conversation with her of like, she knew she couldn't help me <laughs> something. So, you know what I mean? And I'm like, Girl, you just don't know. Right. I'm the one that this this cash and hunch it right. that you're talking to. Right. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that that was the first time that I had ever experienced the smile in your face, and then the backstab conversation on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has always stuck with me, especially being in like someone who's worked in corporate America for the last maybe like five or so years. Mm-hmm. Of like that sticks with me. Right. Like I can. I can now spot that a mile away because mm-hmm. I always see that woman of like, she played the, yeah, I'm okay, but is she here? Like, is Mary here? Mm. And so that, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, she seems okay. You know right. what I mean? She seems like the typical, um, and it would just be, it was just crazy to me and it was a constant reminder because like I told you in the beginning, she was a consistent customer. She came in the store at least once a, once mm-hmm. a week. You know right. what I mean? Um, you saw a couple times a month too, so... It was just one of those things for me where it was, it was, um, I was never sheltered. My mom made it very clear to me of like, that's how some people are. Um, you still be kind, you still be who you are. And if they don't want your services, they don't want your help, things of that nature. That's okay. Mm -hmm. My mom has always been that kind of person, but that was the first time where, um, I think I was maybe 19. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really having to experience it by myself. By you know what I mean? And how do I deal with that situation? Right. And um, being able to see. you could have been rude. You could have came back at her, you know? Oh, well, I, I could have easily escorted her out the store and said, well, we just want, we just choose not to serve you today. Right. Like, like people don't, don't understand it. Like, retail places have that option to say, because of, because of how you've acted mm-hmm. and, and how rude you've been, we, we choose not to serve you. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and you can choose to ban people from the store. You can, you know what I'm saying? It was a different extent that I could have went. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you were trying to see how it was going to play out. I didn't know. I didn't know with me being the only person on duty at that point, how that could have played out. Cause it was late. 
I was closing. Right. You know what I mean? It could have went a whole lot of different ways. You know right. what I mean? Um, and so that was the first time where I experienced it by myself. Mm-hmm. And it was left up to me on how I was going to react. You know what I mean? And not only that, I still had um, Caucasian or white counterparts who were working with me that mm-hmm. night. You know what I mean? And other African-American or black women who were working with me that night. Um, and so it was totally up to me. Like, like the all eyes were on me. It was like she said, colored woman, and everybody here said, shoo. Like, like who, what you going to do? We know who she talking and about. And you know, once things like that happen, black women ride or die anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And so they like, so we going to do whatever you need us to do. And I'm like, no, we're not going to beat this lady up in this stove now. That's right. what we're not going to do. Right. Um, but I mean, at this point, I look back at that situation, and I just, I remember, I always remember that one. Because that was the first time, I think, from a white person. Of course, I feel like I, I they may have said it behind my back several times before, but that sure. was the first time that I had actually heard somebody say, um, colored girl, or then it, it was followed by the N-word. So that was the first time I had experienced that, like, oh, shoot, she talking about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always sticks with me. Yeah, and I hear you say your mom kind of prepared you on that. And I look back on my childhood and my dad would say when I got older that, well, we sheltered you. And I would deny and be like, I wasn't sheltered. <laughs> but when I really look back at it all, um, I was sheltered. I was a military brat. And even though I grew up all over, I think in the military you have your community mm-hmm. of people that's in the, you know, if you're living on this base, you're not going off base too many times mm-hmm. to, to visit outside of the city unless you're going to eat or shop. So the community of the people that I hung out with and played with, I played with all kind of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Asian, black, white, it didn't really matter. Um, and I didn't really truly see a color at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that, you know, as I got older, you know, I, I was identified like I know I'm black, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But at the same extent, there was no ill will that I felt uh, felt anybody was being racist towards me. Mm-hmm. And it could have been some moments where that did happen. Yeah, and it might have just went over your head. And it might have just you, went over yeah, my head. Yeah. I didn't expect it yeah. um, or didn't see that as what it was. Yeah. Um, but definitely, like I said, when I went off to college, and like I said, it's a different experience when you experience it for yourself and mm-hmm. your parents are not around. Right. Um, and you start to see how some people may treat you or like you said, being a black man, for sure, if I'm in the elevator or even walking towards a lady, yeah. they clutching their purse or yeah. making sure that I'm not on the same side as them. Um, oh, another example I wanted to bring up as a story. Um, we went to go eat at a restaurant. I'm not going to name the restaurant. I, I was with you? No. Oh, I was no. like, huh? It was me um, and my partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even going to throw their names out there either, but it was like... Two or three of my good friends, and actually one of my good friends, um, she actually worked at the restaurant, and I mm-hmm. think she was working at that time, mm-hmm. um, and we was in college. So anyway, me and my homeboys, we sitting around eating, and... Did y'all go up there to see her? Yeah, we used to okay. always go up there, maybe like Like she happy. she was working at the restaurant, so y'all used to go up there to kick it. Yeah, so we go up there get, happy or hour. Or have a drink Yeah, or as college kids, we're getting appetizers. Or yeah, we're just getting, chilling. Yeah, we're not getting really the whole platter, because we like, shoot. I might spend fifteen dollars, yeah. <laughs> and we thought strawberry lemonade was the most expensive thing. Jesus. <laughs> but I just remember one particular time we were sitting around eating, and we was getting ready to 
Well, we had got done eating, but we didn't pay our bill yet. Um, they hadn't brought the check to us. Mm-hmm. And it was this gentleman behind me. I've heard you say that. Yeah, it was a gentleman behind me. And I think he might have been with his family, but it was an older guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey. He was like, y'all go to school around here? And he's just talking to us. He's like, yeah, which y'all major in? So we told him what we majored in. And we told him all of that, whatever. And as he just com- kept communicating, he was okay. And I guess he kind of picked up that we were some good kids. Because mm-hmm. we were being respectful, but we were still holding our conversation. Mm-hmm. And right before he left, he was like, all right, um, you guys have a good day. He was like, y'all continue to do good in school. And he said, hey, by the way, it looks like you dropped something down there. So we look, and it was probably maybe like $80 oh, wow. mm-hmm. in cash. Mm-hmm. I remember um, seeing that. So I'm looking back and forth, and I'm like, I ain't dropped that. <laughs> but and he hinted to you like, yeah, yes, and he look, he looking back at me like, like, nah, like y'all good. So I'm like, all right. So all I said was appreciate it, and then he gave me the head nod, like you know, like we good. So I pick up the money, and uh, me and my friends, we go ahead and split it, and we go ahead and pay our meal, and we think, okay, we're gonna pay our meal, we're gonna tip them, of course, because. We got extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, might be a little pocket for us, whatever. Right. But as we get ready to pay the meal, uh, one of the waiters come out and say, hey, that wasn't y'all money. So we like, what you mean? Like, literally, the position of where we were sitting at, nobody else could have dropped it. Right. He literally dropped it over, like, while we were talking and left it there. And uh, he was like, no, nah, like, y'all didn't, that wasn't y'all money. So we go back and forth, back and forth. And my partner, he was like, no, nah, that was our money. Like, he's standing up for it. And I'm standing up for it, too. But he like, I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> like, we paying our meal with this food, with this money. So anyway, we go ahead and pay. Um, and when we pay him, um, I think he bought something extra and used his card, his debit card, mm-hmm. my friend did. And what they did was we paid the money. And then they charged his debit card, like, the amount of, the money, not the amount of the money that was dropped, because of course they didn't know, mm-hmm. but they assumed okay, it was 60 or $40, but they charged his oh. his car. Mm-hmm. And he was so on top of it, my partner was, because I guess he must have had a text message alert or something. He was like, oh no, nah, my bank statement showed this amount. I definitely didn't spend this here. Mm-hmm. So he went through this back, big back and forth, back and forth, and at the end of it, they kind of just backed off and and let us continue with what it was and took the money off his car. But that was just one of the moments where they kind of accused us for stealing, stealing. the money. Mm-hmm. When somebody was really blessing us in college to be like, you know, enjoy this money. Yeah, being us. good kids. Yeah, so yeah. that was definitely one story that I definitely remember. That's crazy. Um, and there's several more. Um, just like I'm sure of. many listeners have several. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, you could talk about that all day. But it's, it's just sad in, in it all because... As black men, black women, um, growing up young to even now into adulthood, it's like you're fighting from the time you're born until the time you die mm-hmm. um, to just be treated fairly. Mm-hmm. It's not so much you're trying to be treated any better mm-hmm. than the next person. And you start to learn in school and even in work. It's like, yo, I can't just give an effort. Like, I got to give double the effort mm-hmm. of my counterparts. Mm-hmm. To be able to be to successful. To even be considered. To, to even, even be, be considered. considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it stereotypes with us of that. Like, I remember one time I was getting ready to uh, go to college. 
and I got injured from playing basketball. And I just remember some of the kids were like, how are you going to go to college? Now, what you going to do? Yeah, like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not playing basketball anymore. Right. How are you going to go to college? Um, and thankfully, I had parents that always believed in me and created that foundation for me to continue to believe I can go to college and mm-hmm. succeed. And now I'm a college graduate. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just those things as black people you have to fight through all the time. Yeah. I think for me, just kind of, I guess we can kind of give our little closing statements. Sure. I think um, my, my and I, I guess the, the question I could pose to both of us is like, going forward, what do you hope for your people? And so for me, what I hope for my people is that we never, we never lose sight of our value. We never lose sight of our creativity. Mm-hmm. We never lose sight that although we're going through hard times, we have to, have to, have to instill this same knowledge in our kids. We have to prepare them. Um, and so I don't want us to forget those things. I know times are hard. I know if you watch too much of the news, you can slip into a depression. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think it's important for us to do our due diligence by making sure that we're, we're feeding into our community to make sure that we're, um, getting the knowledge and the wisdom from the people who came before us and having those conversations with you, whether it be your mom or if your grandparents are still living or, um, oh, oh, OGs in, in the neighborhood, you right. know what I mean? But, um, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. Um, where, where this will lead us. Um, but I think what we're doing right now as far as protesting is what our, what our grandparents saw. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a step in the right direction. So I, I would just hope that we continue to see that we're some of the most powerful people in the world, um, right. that we're some of the most beautiful people in the world, and that just because this is happening that we're, we don't lose our value and we're not devalued. We're just as important as the next. Right, definitely. What about you? Um, for me, on the short term, I want everybody to go out there and register to vote. Yes. That's very important. Um, I want everybody to let their voice be heard. Um, but on the long term, I want everybody to challenge themselves to create um, a family plan. Mm-hmm. So just like you create a business plan for uh, whatever you're trying to accomplish as an entrepreneur, Create that same family planning structure for your family. Um, and that's something that I challenge us to work on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, have a short-term goal for what you're trying to succeed. A long-term goal. And it can be financial, personal. But start to break a lot of the curses that were brought before us. And move forward in a better direction. Mm-hmm. Also, I would like to see the top candidates. There's no reason for... People like LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Carmelo Anthony, all these great talents that we have in the NBA and even in the NFL Mm -hmm. um, to continue to support schools that don't support us. Mm -hmm. And I think people should challenge themselves to look at HBCUs. And I've always said this is if you're talented, those scouts are going to come out and see you. Like, they're going to see you, no matter if you went to a small school or not. Um, And it shows with a lot of people that have been picked up over the time. Um, And I'm proud of Deion Sanders making that step to go to um, an HBCU to coach Mm -hmm. and the students that 
decided to go as top prospects to an HBCU and play. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want us to continue that. Um, I want us to be able to build that foundation because we could be just as big on ESPN as Mm -hmm. the University of Alabama, um, University of Texas, North Carolina, Duke, all those schools. Mm -hmm. They were built off the backs of the talents of our people. Mm -hmm. And our athletes. And our athletes. Mm -hmm. And you look at Michael Jordan. UNC wouldn't be what it was if Michael Jordan didn't go to that school. Mm-hmm. Of course, there would be more talented people that came along. Mm-hmm. But whenever you think about that school, you think, person. okay, Michael Jordan went there. I can do that. Yeah. What if Michael Jordan would have went to Alabama A&M mm-hmm. or would have went to Tuskegee? Yeah. What would that impact be? Yeah. You know, So we want to be able to build that courage for these athletes to make those jumps to do so. And not be afraid to do and so. And not be afraid to do so. Mm-hmm. We're in a social media world where you could be you can be tracked down easy. There's a lot of kids right now that's in high school yeah. that are being looked at right now um, just through social media. Um, but then also, I would love to see black corporations more being mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. for job opportunities for us to be able to work underneath them. Um, I want people to continue to be entrepreneurs. And people can still work in corporate America, but find some hobbies outside of corporate America. It doesn't have to be a uh, entrepreneur uh, career or anything like that, but find some challenges that are going to make you um, better yourself in your community. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just work, pay bills, and die. Mm-hmm. Like, make a difference in this world on where you're at. And the biggest thing that me and you talk about is, you know, when you when when your time comes to leave this earth, mm-hmm. my biggest thing is I want people to talk about that dash in between the date I was Definitely. born and the day, date that I die. That's talk about that dash. Part. That's the most important part of um, uh, your whole life is what you did while you was here. My biggest thing is with black people work work on work on those things while you're here. Right. Don't don't leave this earth unfulfilled. Um, and and not fulfilling the things that you wanted to do. Work on those things that make you feel like you have purpose. Work on those things that make you feel like um this is what you were meant to do. Um, and fulfill those things. Yeah. Le- le- my my goal for myself, and this is something that I challenge myself with. Um, is to leave this earth on full. Yeah. And if I if I'm if I and when I say full, I mean full with the with the aspect of knowing that I've done everything that I could do. Right. And leave with your glass empty, but because that means that I poured out everything that I could into whatever I needed to do, and I can't do anything else. Right. So that yeah. is my challenge, and, and and I hope that what we said and what we've done and what we've talked about today. Kind of brought a little bit of motivation to people, mm-hmm. brought a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of comfort. Let letting you guys know that like we all feel, we're all feeling it. We yeah. all feel the same way. And definitely, um, before we started this podcast, I didn't know how my emotions were going to range when we start discuss uh, what's been happening over the past days yeah, or even months. this whole months and pandemic yeah. uh, with how we've been treated as the black community, um, and I'm very frustrated i'm very angry um i'm hurt um but at the end of the day we have a platform that we choose to be able to provide this content out mm-hmm. um we want this to be a fun podcast but when moments are like this it's our duty to speak up yeah um so i want to make sure that we continue to do that moving forward yeah um and we encourage everybody else to do the same mm-hmm and, and the biggest thing is we have to use our platform. And so that's what we hope that you got out of this episode is that 
what we've done today is use our platform and we've made our voice heard and we hope that it either blessed you motivated you or encouraged you and if it didn't do one or the other it did all three yeah and i truly believe we're kings and queens so let's keep that crown on top of our head don't let anybody take it off um and let's continue to motivate and empower ourselves in this world and i definitely am confident um that our kids in this future are going to have a brighter future than us it may not be um the best Mm -hmm. that they could possibly have but i believe what we're doing today and what our parents and grandparents did before is only going to continue to lay the foundation um, for us to continue to always grow yeah 100% so with that being said we thank you guys for listening to episode 4 we hope that we encourage you in some way or another we'll see you guys on the next episode peace